On this episode, we discuss Locked Down. Based on the works of John Bon Jovi, I... Fuck. (laughs) No, I'm done. I'm never doing one of these again. You guys pressured me into doing something I didn't want to do. Wait, you told us... Hold on. I feel like an idiot. (laughs) What? Everybody's listening now. I feel like a fool. Hold on. Damn. Let's do it. Damn, what's going on? Hey everyone, and welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, it's me, Stuart Wellington. Uh, this is Elliot Kalen. If you're noticing that my voice sounds sexier than usual, it's because mm. I have a little bit of a cold. Nope. That's right. Illness <laughs> nope, equals sexy. It. <laughs> it's, it's Susan Sontag said so. Illness is a metaphor for sexiness. Is more uh, nasal sexy? Is that <laughs> equation uh-huh. that you're postulating? Uh, ask an elephant, Dan. Boom. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. I guess. Yeah, for a second I thought <laughs> Kathleen Turner was guessing on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Stuart knows where it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A warm husky tone. Uh, what do we got husky, here? We call it warm husky. We just call it wusky. <laughs> I mean, they're usually warm. They're covered in a thick, downy coat of fur. <laughs> and they have those eyes. Like what's his face? Like Anderson white fire. Cooper? Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough. Neil McDonough. Oh, Neil McDonough. <laughs> That's right. The husky is, of actors. <laughs> I mean, why have they not made him the villain in a fucking Animorphs movie? <laughs> I mean, they haven't made an Animorphs Wake up, movie, as Animorphs. far as I know. So. Wait, they haven't? Wait, Dan, you could you could have finally said, wake up, sheeple, and it would have been accurate, because oh, oh it's God, Animorphs. Man, yeah. Oh, God. There's got to be a joke in there you can use for something, Elliot. Like if, uh, you got to think that one through, put in your, put in your book. <laughs> Well, in my they, book of joke ideas, half-formed yeah. fra- half joke I ideas. I know that you have that book, Elliot. You actually, I do, but I don't put joke ideas in there. I put ideas is, for other things. Okay. Like inventions. So, hmm. so uh, if they haven't made an Animorphs movie, we can just TM all this, right? And yeah. nobody can steal it? You, yeah. yeah, we own Animorphs now. That's the, they, they, they snoozed and they loosed. Yeah, that's Ooh. it. They snoozed and they lost. Flophouse flag on am- uh-huh. Animorphs. <laughs> They left the back door open, and I used a secret identity. I called myself Edgar Allan Poe, and I snuck in and stole it. Oh, hey, that's wait a, minute. a great segue. Mm-hmm. To, Stuart, um, that's such mm-hmm, a great mm-hmm. way to segue into the movie. Unfortunately, first, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Yeah, on this podcast, we watch a bad movie, and we talk about it. Uh, in this case, we're watching our second Doug Lyman-directed film in a row. Wow. Chaos that's Lyman. Lyman. And it's this. officially Lyman month. That's when we no watch lies. two Doug Lyman movies. And he, yep. you know, he did a <laughs> Seventh Son and Jumper as well. So he's he's had his share of Flophouse films, although he's also had a share of very good movies like The yep. Born Identity, uh, mm-hmm. I Like Go a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what He did uh, Edge of Tomorrow. So Yeah, Live, Die, yeah. Repeat. Who knows? Yeah, he's Who knows what Doug Lyman <laughs> Now, Doug, Lyman, it, it's, 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 Doug Lyman's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. What yeah. I would also point out is that uh, I think a notable presence in this movie is also the writer of the yes. film, which is Stephen yes. Knight, who was the writer of Serenity and a bunch of other wacky movies, many yeah. of which have been on this podcast. Yeah. And so this is the second, is this the second Knight Hathaway uh, co-production? Mm-hmm. She but, must but, be his muse. Before people tweet at me, I might have been thinking of Stephen Knight as the, I think he may have been the writer of Seventh Son, and I was conflating the uh, previous Flophouse things that we uh, have oh. looked at. But, but you were uh, getting confused with Charles R. Knight, the man who could paint through time. the no. One of America's greatest painters of dinosaurs. No. Probably not, no. 
But okay. yeah, St- Stephen Knight uh, wrote Serenity, uh, one of the Stranger um, movies we've done. But he also he wrote he wrote Dirty uh, Pretty Things and Eastern Promises, two movies I like quite a mm-hmm. bit. And he he created Peaky Blinders and co-created Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So that's yeah. the gamut of television right there. You know, he wrote. He wrote and directed Locke with Tom Hardy, which is the movie I think that uh, uh, he the dialogue in that movie is closest to the dialogue in in this movie. Yes. I would say, which is to say, overwritten. And you can agree or disagree about uh, <laughs> the times at which it works or not. Like I didn't like Locke as much as a lot of people did, even though mm-hmm. it's uh, more successful, I think, than this overall. But and Locked Down is the sequel to Locke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that both the both that movie and this one seem to have been written on a dare. Like there's a, there's a real like a there's a like a challenge aspect to it because that one it was just a guy on his phone, right? Yeah, in his car driving uh-huh. to try and like rectify the situation. It was yeah. a regular Cosmopolis, and this and uh, this one is a it's a movie that was made entirely during lockdown, which is. Strange in that there are a number of scenes with multiple people where one person will be wearing a mask and the, everyone else will just not be wearing masks. Yes. Which threw me yes. off until I remember yes. England has been relatively lax yes. individually with that kind of stuff. I I don't know if – I mean, I hope I certainly hope this is true. I, I read that there were no COVID infections associated with this movie, so they did a pretty good job, one, mm-hmm. one would have to say. But, yep, uh, I hope so. Yeah, it is like It is a question of like, did we need to do this? On the other hand, who knows? I mean, it's like Everest. You do it because it's there. Yeah. And in this yeah, case, I... it wasn't there until they made it. But you know what I mean. Anyway, uh, Lockdown. Should we talk about what the movie is about? Sure, let's do let's it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, the movie starts uh, with a little bit of a misdirect as we see a hedgehog wandering around in a yard. Sorry, the movie is not about that hedgehog. And I think so... that's why, Stuart, on, on the IMDb <laughs> page, it lists it was the it lists Sonic as being in the movie. <laughs> yes. It says Sonic, and then the role is Hedgehog, but I just saw Sonic Hedgehog, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I watched the whole movie, and I'm like, I didn't see that blue fucking ring freak running around. But yeah, then running at the so end of the movie, you know, cast in order of appearance, you do get Sonic first thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's certainly possible we've established that Sonic can move so quickly that he can go faster than your eye, uh, eye can follow him. Mm-hmm. So there's a chance yeah. he was running around doing stuff on in the background. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. he could be in any movie. That's the thing. You don't <laughs> you know for know. sure that Sonic wasn't running fast through Schindler's List, uh, <laughs> last year at Marion Bad, any movie. Uh-huh. You know, he, he was possibly well, in every movie. That's a great thing about conspiracy theories is coming up with something that it's impossible to disprove. <laughs> yep. And so you like it just feeds itself. Somebody that's, what, through... that's what Elliot's YouTube channel is all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my YouTube channel, uh, Canon. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's true. Uh, now, uh, guys, that's my challenge to Flat Plus listeners: go through every movie ever made, <laughs> frame by frame, prove to me Sonic is not in that movie. I'm just going to say this uh, because uh, otherwise, someone's going to send it to us. K. Alon, how about that? Yeah, you think? yeah, that's better. Uh, I don't look. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying whether it's better or worse. I'm just saying that I know the internet, and someone will get angry that that was okay. left on the table. Fair. Thank you for not leaving that on the table, but instead swiping it off the table with yeah. your hand so it would crash on the floor. Uh, so let's forget about that hedgehog. We don't need to know much about it. We're we're dealing with Paxton and Linda. Uh, Paxton, played by uh, Chuadal Ejiofor, and uh, Linda, played by Anne Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a married couple. No, they're not married. Mm-hmm. They're just in a long-term they're relationship. They're just a right? long, yeah. 
I've been uh, there a long time. And they are in lockdown in London right after their relationship has fallen apart. We learn this as Paxton has a Zoom call with his, his half-brother and his half-brother's wife, but for a while I thought it was his brother and his sister, and then I thought it was his sister and her husband. It was mm-hmm. very unclear to me for a while how mm-hmm. he was related to these two. But yeah. they are played by... Uh, Dulay Hill. Uh, Dulay Hill and Jasmine Simon, who are married in real life. So yeah. you know that they that was okay for them to be working together because they already yeah. share a house. Uh-huh. Uh, he is depressed. He's furloughed. He's a bit of an eccentric, but is which is supposed to be charming, but it comes off as exhausting. And I'm not. Maybe it is supposed to be exhausting. Cer- certainly at the beginning, it's it's fairly exhausting. Yeah. By the end of the movie, I will admit. I had somewhat fallen under his spell just because yeah. he is so consistent. But at the beginning, I was like, geez, Louise, like, come on, man. But he's unhappy yeah. because his and relationship— And he's, he's yep. such a charismatic actor. Like, you yes. can put I mean, him in anything. He's an amazingly charismatic actor, yeah. Uh, his, and I, the, uh, I, I have to give a lot of credit to the two main actors in this uh, who took characters that on paper should have been unbearable. And, yes. yet, mm-hmm. and yet, by the end of it, I was like, "Okay, I don't, I don't mind them so much," you know. Yeah, uh, I mean, I do. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know whether it is the Stockholm syndrome of lockdown. I do grow to like them. I, fi- I do find all that Anne Hathaway's character, for reasons of scripting, is harder to sympathize with because the way it's constructed, you know, Chiwetel Ejiofor's character is sort of the underdog, whereas. Anne Hathaway, you know, is depicted the as having like her her yeah, her main overbird. problem is she has such a good job, and because she has a, such a good job, she has to do things like fire people, which is a miserable thing. Obviously, well, she, but. she's the character. She's the character who has sold who sold her soul for material success, and it's yeah. one of those things that, like in real life, you do not sympathize with those people. But movies are constantly trying to get us to sympathize with those people. I, well, you know, I would go a different direction in that, like, in real life, if I knew, you know, like, everyone's pain is not, like, we're not, like, putting them up against each other, right? Like I am. Like, mm-hmm. well, I in just In the think, pain sweepstakes. <laughs> as my therapist says, in the game of who suffers more, no one that wins. Like a, that's a great, that's a great, uh, wait, wait, first off, that's a great Saw movie headline. Dan, let's talk about your therapist again. What, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> no, I, I think it's valid. Like in the game of who suffers more, like nobody wins. Like like whose uh-huh. pain is worse? Yes. You know, people who have outwardly like wonderful lives can have, you know, like pain that commiserate to like what they experience that pain as. Like it is it is it is true suffering that I don't want to like downplay. However, I find it just in the context of fiction. I find it easier to like sympathize with, uh, uh, like, like I, I find it easier in real life to sympathize with someone, you know, just on the basis of who they are as a person, rather than in fiction. I'm like, geez, it's hard to get me to like. If your worst problem is you're stuck in your like really rich apartment, that is a beautiful home. It's a beautiful house. Yeah, well, and the, well, here, Dan, I think what you what you you made a very good point, which is it is easier to sympathize with someone who is a real human being, mm-hmm. and there's a larger challenge when you are sympathizing with a fictional character who has it much better than most other people. Right. But because Anne Hathaway is great, she manages, and I'll just say it, I don't care. She yeah. made, by the end of the movie, I'm like, yeah, I do want her to to be happy in her life. Anyway, yeah. So. Worst of all, okay, their relationship is falling apart. They're stuck in this house because London just went into lockdown. The irony, of course, is that rich people, rich people in London did not follow the lockdown and instead <laughs> continued to socialize and get sick and do whatever, and they're constantly getting into trouble for it. But these two have decided to stick with lockdown. Uh, mm-hmm. They've just split up right before it, and Paxton is going to have to sell his motorcycle because without Linda's salary, 
he cannot support this lifestyle. He's a driver of vans because when he was a younger man in his biker days, he intervened to save the life of a very small man and beat someone up really badly and went to jail. And that has stained his record. And to yeah. this day, this this brilliant poet of a man has uh, not has not been able to get a better job. I have in my notes here, I have no sympathy for their enormous house and endless free time. <laughs> that was just me editorializing because <laughs> sure. d- during the same period, they're dealing with this, and they're like, how do I fill my time? I'm like, was running around after two children constantly. But that's just, that's, I don't need to get into that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I'm sick of this dual income, no kids bullshit, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, his income is so low that it is essentially a single income household. But her income is so high that they're making a, essentially a dual yeah, income yeah. salary. So, but but the fact that it's really the fact that they're lying around all day, being like, he's like, I think I'll start baking bread, and she's like, ugh, don't. And I was like, dude, like I don't need like I, I go days, days and days without grooming. But anyway, uh, we also <laughs> well, learned that, that uh, that's a personal choice, though. That's a yeah, separate thing. We learned that uh, also that at some point in the past. Linda and Paxton's sister-in-law had a night together that Linda's si- that Paxton's sister-in-law continues to think about. Uh, that's just a thing that they plant that comes it's up. It's just like a and weird it, little side like character piece of humor, I think, more than anything. Uh, it doesn't really yeah. amount to much. Uh, Paxton is heavily depressed. Linda catches him. He says making a joke photo to te- text to somebody, but she thinks that he is attempting to commit suicide using the exhaust of his bike. Uh, they talk about how depressed they are, the relationship's Luckily, over. luckily they don't further explore uh, his possible suicidal thoughts throughout no, the movie. No, it isn't. It's much like there's a lot of television shows that start with a character failing to commit suicide and it's supposed to be kind of like yeah. halfway a joke. Don't like it. Not a fan. Not a good thing. I it's, kept... that's, that's way that's way too it's way too irrevocable a thing to yeah. be like, yeah, that happened anyway. Let's keep moving. You know. Well, and I, they keep talking about how bad things were at Christmas, and I kept thinking that there was going to be an eventual re- reveal that he had like actually tried to commit suicide at Christmas. That he actually and... did it, and he's a ghost now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, and that like even this joke selfie. The reason it's extra triggering to her is that it brings back that time. Whatever it is, like it, it, that, it doesn't. It's just that he's depressed enough that she thinks maybe he could be thinking about it. Yeah, do what yeah. everyone else does. Just find a fucking meme and download it to your phone, and then send it to your friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't it does a lot of work for that selfie. For a movie, for a movie that is so firmly set in the in the here and now, that the fact that nobody uses a meme or a bitmoji or anything in the entire movie is very surprising. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's almost no texting in do the you movie, want, right? Do you want like that little like hand pounding Skype motion to show up at one point or something? <laughs> yeah, 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 just on the screen, just on the on, over the movie. Uh, Paxton, he's, he gets into the habit of reading poems out loud to his neighbors. Uh, uh-huh. It's a kind of eccentric thing that people were doing uh, during the big lockdown times. And he uh, he stops some teens in his yard who are reveal that it used to be like a heroin house, and there's still poppies in the yard, and they steal them sometimes. And he decides he's having trouble sleeping, and he licks one and goes to sleep and seems to have a pretty good night's sleep. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's like barfing the next morning. Yeah, but well, maybe but the sleep was I mean, great. The morning was bad. The yeah, morning barfing morning. usually is shorthand for pregnancy, but I <laughs> yes. don't think he's pregnant. No, no, in this one, it does not turn out that Chudella Javor is, is pregnant. <laughs> it's movie. a Stealth Junior sequel. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So this is Stealth Junior prequel. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Linda, she zooms with her coworkers, tells them they've all been fired. Uh, very disappointing news. Uh, Mark Gaddis takes it particularly badly. Um, and oh, that he, was Mark Gaddis? He's gotten so old. 
Well, yeah, everybody took, has to. It took me a while to recognize him. He usually really. Yeah, I I don't know whether he dyes his hair and other things. He usually has much darker hair. And he's he's so tall, but I guess yeah. he, he's in that movie. You know, he's on a Zoom call. It's hard to tell. Yeah, and, then, and he yeah. has a beard in this. Too. And, and he doesn't always have a beard that heavy no. when he's performing. And glasses. It's almost and, like he's incognito. And yeah. Stephen, what's his name's in it? And that guy's Stephen way Merchant. tall. Yeah, he's yeah. super Merchant's tall too. It. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it makes everyone then, else seem small. Every now and then. It, <laughs> yep, that's how uh, it works. Yep, <laughs> Thanks, Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> that's the greatest compliment you've ever given me, Dan. Thank you so, so much. It would be so funny if Peter Jackson was like, the computer art, the computer sizing isn't working. We have to get Stephen Merchant to play Gandalf. He's the only one who can look regular size next to Hobbits. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, if Peter Jackson was like, the computer told me. Tall makes others look small. <laughs> we ran the numbers. In a world before computers, you had to have to cast regular height people or average height people <laughs> as the hobbits, and then it, the tallest actors you could find. So it's like mm-hmm. Stephen Merchant, Richard Keel, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh-huh. They're playing yep. all the parts otherwise. Yeah. Um, okay, so they, she has to fire all of her uh, employees. That's terrible. She's the, she is the... Uh, regional head of a fashion company uh, that yeah. seems to be owned by a larger corporation that also seems to it's she's in some kind of 21st century capitalist corporate stack yeah but she's the head of the london office uh which seems to include everything from major administration to also designing the displays at harrods yes. for their goods she yes. has a lot of on her plate a lot of responsibilities on her plate no wonder she is super stressed yeah. uh, meanwhile and there's a lot of Famous people suddenly pop up on Zoom in this yeah, movie her in very surprising moments. People. Her coworkers and like suddenly her boss is Ben Stiller, and uh-huh. then she's she's zooming with two people that she works with, and it's Stephen Merchant and Mindy Kaling. And I was like, I don't understand what their <laughs> jobs are, what they do. Uh, Paxton's boss, meanwhile, Ben Kingsley, uh, yep. who is far and away he was the character I enjoyed watching the most yes. in this movie. He is a devoutly re- he's like if the his character from Sexy Beast was devoutly religious and uh-huh. ran a van company, and he's uh-huh. so funny in it. <laughs> Well, yes. let's, okay, let's, I think this is the moment to talk about something that we haven't talked about, but is perhaps the most important thing to talk about in this movie is the way the dialogue is written. Yes, Because okay. it is extremely heightened dialogue of a kind that, like... It has to be a, a tall enough for Stephen Merchant and Mark Gaddis to deliver. Thank you. You know, maybe I'll tip my hand by saying, like, over time, this movie sort of slowly won me over just so I got used to it, but, like, yeah. I think... I'm so glad you said that, because I was going to say it later, and I was worried this was going to be a... Uh, <laughs> what was it called? Thistle and the Barley? What was that movie that... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dan was like, time. yeah, where Dan was like, it's a it's a beautiful reaffirmation of humanity. And me and Stu were like, huh, what? But anyway. <laughs> but I saying, definitely, <laughs> I could see myself enjoying this so much more if I saw it as a play because it, you know, I mean, obviously because of the limited uh, number of sets they could deal with, it has to feel like a play. It has to feel extra uh-huh. talky the way it was produced. But also it is such heightened language. And I think that, Ben Kingsley is the one who can do that the best. Like, yes, that's why yeah. his character works so well. Yeah, He's I feel. A- yeah, I feel like of the performers, Ben Kingsley's probably takes the dialogue the best. I think Chiwetel Ejiofor mm-hmm. uh, does mm-hmm. does a pretty remarkable job yeah. of dealing with it. Yes, uh, and I mean, I think Anne Hathaway brings a lot to the character, but she's given some speeches that are a little bit too much. I think. Well, and and her her, I think it's more that uh, her character. I think it would the movie would have been would have felt if Chutel Ejiofor was the heightened character and the other character's dialogue was maybe not quite as heightened. So yes. he comes off as even more of an outsider eccentric. Yeah. But there were times when 
the times when she is given kind of the plainest dialogue is when she can shine through the best. And the times yeah. where it feels like her character is trying to match his verbal intensity, it was like, I don't, I don't buy this character talking this way. This is not yeah. – I mean, I never really bought these characters in a relationship together. The two performers, I could see it. But the two characters, yeah. it was like – it, it basically, so uh, people who watched our Flophouse uh, pandemic live shows may remember that during one of my presentations, I pitched an Anna Hathaway movie called called uh, 40 Night Stand, where <laughs> she and Channing Tatum have a one-night stand the night before lockdown, and now they're stuck in an apartment together. And this was kind of that, and I yeah. would have bought this movie more if they were people who had did not have a relationship, but right. instead had fallen into a one-night stand that was forced to extend. Because they were like, their characters just never seemed to, maybe, unless they had been together for so many years that they had diverged into such different people, which is possible, but hard for me to believe that either of them was once like a, a biker tough, you know, yeah. like a wild biker, which is what they are constantly telling you they were. But he puts that bandana around his face. I think he looks pretty tough. Like, they talk about meeting at Sturgis, and I was like, I don't believe either of these people went to Sturgis. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Not the kind of biker he was, not the kind of person she was, but maybe, I don't know. It's Anyway, yeah. people change. So anyway, here's the thing. Ben Kingsley talks to Paxton. He says, here's, he, he says, here's the plot, Gov. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these department stores, including Harrods, where Anne Hathaway's company's luxury stuff is, yeah. they ha- they're worried about rioting because of the end of civilization. So they're taking all the goods, and they're going to ship them into warehouses. You are my best driver. Unfortunately, because you have a criminal record, you can't do this under your real name. You wouldn't pass the security check. So I'm going to give you a fake ID uh, with a fake name on it, and you're going to drive these. I mean, it's a these real in- name. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it is true. a real name. It's not his real name. It is a very real name in that another person. As we find out later, the name is Edgar Allan Poe, which is like— it's very funny because it's, it's like, I don't know how well-known Edgar Allan Poe is in England, but it seems that not many people have, they don't, no one real, not many people blink an eye at it. And, yeah. But also, people have the same names as famous people all the time. So he could just uh-huh. say Edgar Allan Poe, and they'd say Edgar Allan Poe, and he'd go, yeah, my parents gave me that name, I hate no, it, or something I, like that. I know? really expected that to come up, because like, it's such an obvious way to just wave it away if you get into trouble. But, yeah, Do you remember I there was a commercial years ago about for something when one of the James Bond movies came out. The, was a, wait, was it the Where's the Beef commercial? <laughs> yeah, it was the Where's the was Beef it commercial. The one all about these guys squeezing the Charmin. All these guys named WT Beef were like, <laughs> "Hey, that's my name." No, there was this there was this James Bond ad where it was regular people saying, "I'm James Bond. I'm James Bond" because their names were James Bond. Like that was their birth uh-huh. name. And yeah. so it's like if you like it's not crazy that someone would have the same name right. as a as a historical figure but <laughs> I, but he's like oh my god what am i going to do what am i going to do and every single person he meets throughout is like yeah Edgar Allan Poe sure that's a real yeah. name i don't I i've don't, never heard of anyone like that it's not weird to me you're using your middle name as part as part of your name sure i get yeah. it it's skipping a little uh, you know i mean we're already there it's skipping a little ahead in the plot when he learns it you know that's one of my favorite scenes with Ben Kingsley, where Ben Kingsley is just like so pugnaciously like does not care, and his yeah. main problem just seems to be like it's been laminated already. <laughs> yeah, the name tag's already been laminated; they can't change it. <laughs> and that- he so and the thing is that he he this is like a chance for Paxton to kind of like reform himself. Yes. I guess in the eyes of God, or well, this is a chance to prove himself worthy of a promotion out of driving. To do oh, something, yeah. he'll be working in customer service, meeting with clients, and so he. This is a chance for him to get get over the criminal. Ironically, he'll have to break a, break the law in order to get past the blot on his record caused by his one criminal act. Uh, if he's caught, though, he will go to jail. As someone 
who is using fraud to possibly steal things. Under you know, and his boss will say, "I didn't know anything about it." So that's his choice that he has to make. Meanwhile, uh, Linda's boss, Ben Stiller, tell in a very understated performance, uh, he tells her that. All their Were you company- hoping for like a like a Tropic Thunder level performance? <laughs> yeah, I want I want him to go nut, you know, go big with it, you know, go go as you know, you know, Stiller, he loves to play characters, you loves know, to play actually, big wild characters. You saying like you just mentioning his understated in passing made me reflect on it and be like, yeah, that is one of the better Ben Stiller performances I've seen. <laughs> like I do think like yeah, but like reining him in, like like it's I think it's pretty good actually here. Even it's though, more yeah. on the it's not more on the Walter Mitty end of the scale yeah. than the Zoolander. Yeah. End of the scale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she realized she. Oh, man. He's w- like, wouldn't it have been crazy if he confused those characters? <laughs> 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 he made Walter Mitty a Zoolander or the bad guy from Dodgeball. Could <laughs> you imagine been... it? I am I right can't. now. No, wait. Now I'm imagining it. Yep. Okay. The mustache. Yep. Uh, I can see. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. And so uh, he says, "We need to put all our stuff in storage to Linda, uh, which is at the, sa- the same stuff that Paxton is going to have to deliver later." The movie takes forever. I mean, I mean, Sean Penn, the same Sean Penn would have been furious mm. if he showed up as his Zoolander character to the set of <laughs> Walter Mitty. Sean Penn would have he would have been livid. Yeah. Well, true. imagine how Will Ferrell would feel. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's like, "I'm going to look ridiculous if I'm the uh-huh. only one acting at this level." Uh-huh. Come on. Um, and uh, Linda reveals to Paxton that she's gone back to smoking, and she kind of has. She talks about a breakdown she had on a trip to Paris that she never told him about for a business dinner. Uh, what? It, I'm sorry. I this is this is one of the floweriest speeches, and I kind at of one point zo- she's just naming flowers. I kind uh-huh. of zoned out on this one. Like, what was the kind of breaking? point of that she re- like- well so she's really so, so she has this big dinner with the head of the company which is mm-hmm. not ben stiller but this kind of german vaguely vaguely evil german uh yeah. which is a, such a redundancy even likable germans <laughs> are still even even bruno gans and if there's a more likable german than bruno gans i don't know him but even he played hitler so you know but what uh, about the good I'm, german i heard there was one of those i, uh, I saw a movie about it I haven't what, seen wait, is, it. Is Wolfgang Puck German? Because that guy's great. I mean, Wolfgang sounds German, but Puck does not. That sounds Canadian, so That's I don't know. True. But I know yeah. Puck from Alpha Flight is Canadian, so I don't, I don't yeah. know about Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> There's no way to find out. Uh, so uh, she she went to this business dinner, and it was made clear at this dinner that she is now at the level of her career where she can no longer close her eyes to the fact that she works for a bad guy mm-hmm. who is dealing with bad people and doing things in kind of corrupt, sinister ways. And the guy asks to, for him for her to come see him after the dinner. And she has a breakdown in her room and breaks a mirror and steals a glass statue and then forgets it on, on the channel train. Uh-huh. And But... And later on, the boss is like, you know, I was going to seduce you that night, which she seems to have known already. Like, that was the night when she realized, oh, I'm not a kid who's, like, moving up in the world. I'm a grown-up who does a bad job, who's, like, who works with bad people, you know. Mm-hmm. And she so, and, and ever since then, she's been living under that cloud. And she talks about a vision she had of some mm-hmm. evil kind of smoke eel that, that, uh, that now, yes. I guess, follows her, you know. Yeah, by the like, time I tuned we, back we... in on the on the speech, we got into the smoke eel, so that I was confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Briefly becomes a Miyazaki movie in her mind, and then and then, yeah. and then becomes or, the, uh, or, another Doug Lyman, Stephen Knight joint. 
Yeah, or the machine from from Beyond. Can we cycle back real quick? Uh, Let's do it. Really, Let's cycle back really, like we're on a motorcycle in reverse. Sure. We didn't really talk about the name Wolfgang. I know it's German, but like <laughs> that's an awesome name, right? Because yeah. it's yeah. a it's, gang of wolves. That's wolf, badass. Wolf is a name. They saw that wolf and they raised it because they're like, one wolf is cool. But what about a gang of wolves? That would oh, be wow. amazing. What about yeah. a billion yeah, it's, wolves? It's incredible. Uh, no, that would be Wolf Billion. <laughs> but uh, well, that's uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, my younger son, who is about to turn three. He had a barrel of monkeys, and he opened, and he goes, Daddy, there's 10 million monkeys in here. And I loved the idea of this, the phrase, 10 million monkeys. Uh, so, yeah, a billion wolves is almost as good as 10 million monkeys. Okay, so um, uh, so Paxton finds out the name is Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, Paxton refers to Edgar Allan Poe as a novelist and poet, which is a bit of a stretch. He wrote one novel. Yeah, He's known unfinished. for his poems and short stories. Unfinished, barely a full novel. It ends... Uh, Famously ends with a scene that makes no sense, uh, and yet is haunting for that reason. Uh, so it's a bit stretching things, but I am a fan of Grant Poe's work, his life as a person. Again, we got to separate it uh, from his work, even though they are in fact inseparable. But anyway, um, he did solve all those crimes, though, if I recall from mm-hmm. that movie we did on the on the show. That John Cusack one, yeah, where he had a pet <laughs> raccoon. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the one. That's all I remember about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even remember the crime he was solving. I assume I it was a murderer. There were like kind, copycat but... crimes of like Poe stories, I think. Right, yep, right. Someone was doing Poe murders. Yeah. Uh, Man, somebody yeah. got paid to write that. Good on them. They worked yeah. the system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did. They sure did. Uh, but the card's already been laminated, as we said. He's got to do it. He's worried he's going to get caught. Uh, and his work nemesis, Martin, who's trying to get him caught and hates him, he kind of teases Paxton with the idea that he could steal the stuff he's driving, that there's really nobody's going to know if he just steals it. No one would ever know. It's a fake name. Uh, they don't know where the goods are just going to warehouse anyway. Yeah, he uh, like lays out the plot again. I'm like, yes. yeah, we know, dude. <laughs> uh, the the movie is constantly telling the characters how easy it would be to steal this stuff, and it takes a very long time for them to realize that they should <laughs> steal this stuff. Uh, Linda, she gets a promotion. She doesn't take it well. They say, you're going to go back to New York. You're going to get promoted. And she's like, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, and Paxton's making his deliveries. Uh, Linda reveals to Paxton's sister that Linda is the one who is buying Paxton's motorcycle secretly to then give it to Paxton as a gift so that he doesn't hasn't lost everything in his life when they break up and lockdown is over. Um, and she asks his half-brother to pretend it's him who's doing it so that he'll accept yeah. this bike. That yeah. is a subplot that later on the brother does it and Linda... It, and Paxton sees through it instantly. There's no reason for any of it. I don't know why it's there. I don't get it. I, it's, it's, it's like the it's, it's like a, the opium scene. Like unnecessary doesn't really do anything. It yeah. is. A, it is. I think it is meant to be a character catalyst where uh, Chuadel Ajiafor realizes that she now pities him, and he doesn't want to be a, an object of pity. He wants to be a tough jewel thief. Mm-hmm. And the bike definitely, you know, very much represents the recklessness and freedom of. There are previous lives, yeah, not just the freedom to leave the house, which he does constantly yeah. anyway. Considering yeah. it's lockdown, he is constantly leaving the house. Yeah. But uh-huh. also the uh, the freedom of youth and not being trapped in your jobs and whatever. Anyway, so it's that. It's a thematic thing, I guess. But it's uh-huh. uh, anyway. I mean, it, it says it says triumph on the side of the bike. I mean, you know. Well, but that's a reference to the insult comic dog. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because he during lockdown, I don't know if you know this, he became kind of a national hero in England because he was like 
COVID for me to poop on. And uh -huh. Boris Johnson was like, finally, someone said what all Britons feel in their heart. Triumph, you deserve this knighting. And the queen knighted him over Zoom. So he's now Sir Triumph. Uh -huh. uh, we don't have to call him that because we're American, but English people have yeah. to call him that by law or else they go to jail. That's how it works, right? Oh, that's crazy. Did he, yeah. uh, when he was knighted, was, did he have a cigar in his mouth or no? <laughs> uh, he, it was, was very against protocol, but he did have the cigar in his mouth. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he, 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 then he said, this is an honor for me to poop on. And the queen <laughs> laughed so hard that they named it a national holiday. And she gave him a swan, which she owns all of in England. Oh, wow. <laughs> all swans, whales, and dolphins, I believe, are the property of the, of the queen of England. So... So, 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 so Triumph, and by which I mean Robert Smigel, that was one of those. The weird thing is they didn't knight Robert Smigel. They no. knighted the puppet. The puppet <laughs> yeah. is Sir Triumph. Robert Smigel remains an American citizen uh -huh. with no, no uh, peerage yeah. <laughs> or title. Yeah, the queen kept trying to push him out of Triumph's butt. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't yeah. work, though. Well, that's, she did study as a proctologist, and she was like, finally, I can get back to my true love. I don't uh -huh. love being a royal. I love proctology and the health of the human anus. But yeah, that, that season of The Crown was dope, right? Where yeah. she's Going, she to going to proctology school? school? Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. The scene where she has to... she has to, It's a crossover to, with the Nick, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not alive during the same time periods, but that's totally okay. Uh, there's the scene where uh, where uh, John Major approaches her about forming gov government, and she pulls that big latex glove on before she tells him, yes, he does have permission. Uh, uh, great scene. Great season of The Crown. Anyway, uh, Linda's like, Paxton, I set up the security systems. You're going to get caught. Here, but there is a way we can do it. Uh, you can go in and make it work, uh, but we're going to have to break the law if you're going to make this delivery. Uh, then there's a scene that is also unnecessary where Linda talks to Stephen Merchant and Mindy Kaling about ostensibly the security at Harrods, but instead it becomes about uh, somebody's marriage falling apart. I, I, yeah. it was, it's just like a comedy it's a little, scene. It, yeah, it's a comic relief. It, just having a laugh. They're just having a bit of a laugh. Why not? Come on. It's lockdown. Give them that. Uh, that's when Linda gets her motivation to really break bad, or as the movie would have it, good. Uh, Linda gets a call from her boss, the big top boss uh, from Germany, who essentially says, oh, yeah, this famous diamond, this three million dollar, three million pound diamond, uh, not wait, it's worth three million pounds. If yeah. it was a three million pound diamond, it would not be in a department store. It would still be at the center of the earth, mm -hmm. unclaimed, because you cannot yep. move a diamond that weighs three, three million pounds. That would be crazy. Uh, this three million pounds worth diamond. They're selling it to, he never names the person, but he essentially makes it clear they're either a dictator or the relative of a dictator yeah, of an yeah. oppressive country. I just assumed it was Kim Jong-un, but it could be anybody. It could be the, mm -hmm. the president of, uh, is it Georgia? Uh, where well, that guy's particularly bad, but he's, he They're wants to be They're called governors, Elliot. That's, uh... uh not? Yep. The, oh, boy. All right. <laughs> the, uh, the look so on she, Elliot's face oh as boy. he tried to process what I was saying. And uh, mm -hmm. and she says, well, I don't... And he goes, now that you're having this promotion, you need to... Well, your last job here, your last big job in London is you're going to take this diamond, you're going to put it in a box, and you're going to ship it to New York where it is just going to be brought straight to a vault. No one's going to look in the box. No one's ever going to see it. Yeah. It's just going to be... It might as well just be an empty box that has something in it that weighs as much <laughs> as a diamond. And yeah, when like he tries the, to... The, you know, the, the, this dictator loves when he gets stuff stolen from him, by the way. I just wanted to mention that. He loves, his... he loves, he gets, he, he can only ejaculate when he finds out he's been ripped off. So uh -huh. take for that what you will, but no one will ever look at this diamond. And if he did find out, it would be the greatest orgasm of his life. So yep. do with that what you, and she's like, well, it's good to steal from bad people, but I don't want to give him sexual yeah. pleasure vicariously. Yeah. I don't know what to do. It's a real, uh, it's a real dilemma. You know, it's a real yeah. Hobson's choice, but uh, mm -hmm. it's it's not really. I don't remember what that is. So, 
other than a delightful movie with Charles Loudon. Uh, and then he starts to come on to her over Zoom. He says, I was going to seduce you, and uh, we'll talk about it after your promotion. The only thing she can do is rage dance in the garden to Adam and the Ants. Uh, mm-hmm. So Paxton comes back from riding his bike. He's high on life because he outchased the police and ended up in a petting zoo hanging out with some goats. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They are, yeah, they have that scene, sure. right? Yeah, they have post- running from the police sex, uh, and she is suddenly urged with uh, a desire to steal this diamond. The next morning, Linda's acting... It's the, This is the morning of the big delivery day, right? So Linda's acting weird and anxious, and then she's like, okay, I admit it, here's my plan for stealing a diamond. It would be so easy. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna go there. We're gonna wait until we actually have the diamond in our hands before we decide whether or not we're gonna steal the diamond. And this is the dumbest bit of suspense they could possibly build into it. Because yeah. throughout the rest of the movie, they're having conversations with themselves. Should we do it? Should we not do it? We know they're going to do it. There's no movie if they don't do it. What, <laughs> I don't know, what would like, be more anticlimactic like... than for them to be like, no, property rights are paramount. Well, we cannot more, steal this diamond. The more they talked about, the more I'm like, is this movie going to end on the like the spinning top at the end of Inception type shit where you're like, is it or is it, did they get the real one or the fake one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does it or even is, matter? Or are they going to decide the last minute not to steal it, but the cops think they're stealing it and kill them? And mm. it's la- and it's so like, ugh, Whoa. ironically, they were killed for a wow. crime they didn't commit. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, And yeah. again, not a, not a satisfying <laughs> ending to this movie. <laughs> be Decidedly. Yeah. I, yeah. You, but that, you, you mentioned in passing, I do want to say, like, I, even though the way it is written... I mean, it's a little, it's a little overwritten. It's not quite like how it would really be in in uh-huh. life, even if someone was uh, having a bit of a breakdown, maybe. But I did find it very funny the scene where Anne Hathaway was like laying out things, but like not quite wanting to say that she wants to steal the diamond yet, and he yeah. can say like she he knows that she's acting very strangely, but her yeah. reaction is like, "No, what are you talking? You're the one who's weird." Like, and yeah. it is. It- it, no, I think I think I think that's a really good scene for yeah. Anna Hathaway because she's she's she has to keep swerving back and forth and she's doing a really good job of yeah, it. Yeah, it's very it is funny. A, it's a good version of the bad scene in the happening where uh, where Mark Wahlberg they're like you you want to kill me don't you and he goes what no no and you're like wait does he want to kill yeah. this old lady hold on where's this movie going hold on because this is not something that's been in his character he's been a science teacher trying to save his kids up till now but what if the movie just threw in the fact that he was a serial killer at that moment. <laughs> like, you didn't know that you were following a serial killer, Mark Wahlberg, through the happening. That M. Sounds Night like... loves his twists. <laughs> and that the ha- like... maybe the happening was happening to get back at him for all the murders, but it keeps actually yeah. I mean, happening. It seems to other like people. an overreaction for every plant in the world to kill every person because one dude is a serial killer. Yeah. That seems a bit much. A yeah. bit much. Well, plants uh, don't understand human society. That's I true. mean, that is only one of many <laughs> problems with the with the scenario that you have just <laughs> briefly sketched out. Uh, what, that's only one thing I'm bumping on about it. But that feels like such a like um, early aughts like indie movie that makes it into theaters where it's like there's a plague, but a serial killer is on the loose. Where it's like the serial yeah. killer's the hero kind of, and you're you're like. Uh, I guess it's basically just the minus man, but with but with a plague. Anyway, yeah, or the so, uh, devil in the white city. Yeah, well, the devil in the white city, the serial killer's not the hero. <laughs> like he's he's a very bad guy. Uh, they never made the movie of that, did they? The devil in the white city, or did they? I don't think. I mean, I no. still they probably still will. At they some talked point, about but... it for years, but I mean, I think the time has passed when you're going to make a a big movie about the Columbian Exposition of Chicago. <laughs> 
like, but, but you know what? It'll be a well, miniseries. When, wait, we'll when, when was a... the time for that? <laughs> yeah, the Colombian exposition craze when the book, of 95. When the book came what? out, when yeah. The Devil oh, okay. in the White City came okay, out, it was a best-selling book. But now I can see yeah. them doing it as a miniseries. But that's not going direct to theaters, you know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they both go to Harrods uh, separately, Linda on his bike, Paxton this, in his van. This is the point where the movie feels like a commercial for fucking Harrods, right? For Harrods. And mm. for any listeners who are, not, who are not familiar, Harrods is a huge department store in, uh, in London. Uh, and yeah, they spend a lot of time wandering around Harrods talking about all the amazing stuff that's for sale at, <laughs> at Harrods. Yeah, like. Char, Char and I, when we were in, uh, when we were in England, uh, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago, it all blurs together. We, uh, we actually went for like a, a tea service at, uh, at Harrods and it was very expensive. <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's how they do it over there. Uh, and that exchange rate, I mean, come on. I remember once <laughs> being in, being in London and, uh. And my wife and I, we just had, we were just walking all day and we were so, so hot. And the exchange rate was so bad that I was like, I'm just going to get a glass of Coke. I'm just going to get a glass of soda. And I paid for it and I was like, I think I just paid $20 for this glass of soda. <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, so, anyway, uh, they, Linda, it's a surprising number of people there are not wearing masks and the security is lax. Linda yeah. just keeps vouching for Paxton and getting him through or distracting people at the moment they're about to look at his badge. But which there's doesn't matter because no, when they see his there. badge, nobody thinks it's a weird name yeah. anyway. Oh, also, I uh, I would like to mention that th- that she can do this because of, in a, stri- in a script with many contrivances to make this uh, uh, heist work, the biggest contrivance is that Linda has not told anyone about this uh, you know, like decade-long relationship she has with Chiotel uh, Giafor's character. Like none of the people at work know would, that she even has a partner. If yeah. I had a relationship with him, I would tell everybody. He's You'd great. Be shouting yeah. it from the rooftops or walking into the street and declaiming Baron it as Mordo. if it was poetry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're like. I mean, I think he'd be probably like, oh, Stuart, I'm so glad you're proud of our relationship. I don't want you to refer to me as Baron Mordo anymore. That's a character I played once, not not even the one that like, was closest to me. You weren't you weren't Baron Mordo in Children of Men. I was not Baron Mordo in Children of Men. Uh, I know the question you have. Again, I always wonder whether Sonic was in that movie and whether it was just moving so fast we couldn't see him. And I would often talk to Sir Michael Caine and say, Do you think Sonic's here right now? And he's just moving so fast that we can't see him. They Is that a possibility? Have together. <laughs> we were. We, I wonder, and and you know, for instance, when I was making uh, um, the Martian, it was another mm-hmm. one where I was like, "There's a lot of sciencey stuff around here. Sonic could be hiding behind it. Is it possible mm-hmm. he's just moving so fast that mm-hmm. he's not in it?" It was harder. Uh, again, uh, in Amistad, harder to think Sonic might be there because it was such a brown and kind of pale palette for that movie that a blue uh-huh. hedgehog would really uh-huh. stick out. You know, I have to admit, the reason I took the role in Locked In was I saw. Uh, first on the cast sheet was Sonic as the hedgehog, and I said, "Finally, my chance to meet this meet uh-huh. this adorable blur and find out whether we've already shared the screen with sure. each other." Uh, alas, it was not the case. Unless, as I was saying, he was in the movie, just moving so quickly that I couldn't see quite, him. I only yeah, have human possible. eyes. It's all I can't see faster than a than a hedgehog can run. Obviously. So yeah. anyway, well, he, she's picture. never. So she's never told she's never told anybody about her boyfriend. You're right, yeah. which is a an enormous contrivance, uh, and. Anyway, they're walking through the tunnels at Harrods. They have a little, they have a picnic, just taking expensive food that has not been packed up yet and having a roof picnic. And she talks about how their relationship is ending because they're not wild anymore. They stopped being wild because this is one of those movies that rejects the very idea of maturing and evolving relationships. It's like you have to feel the way you felt when you, 10 years ago, when you first met. 
It is impossible for you to. Mm-hmm. The yeah. relationship will die unless you continue yeah. to be in an unnatural state of youthful wildness. It's yeah. like what you're always saying, Elliot. You're you're really hoping for the emotional maturity of like a Judd Apatow movie, right? <laughs> uh, in my life, yes, that's this exactly what I want. Me. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I want no. constant bits. I want my relationship <laughs> to be built on constant bits, nothing else. Just like the Katie Lang song, Constant Bits. Mm-hmm. But this is the section of the movie where I kept being like. You guys are supposed to be pretending like you don't know each other and like you're standing so close to one another in rooms. You're like Without going masks, and getting a picnic. You're like having long conversations with each other. Yeah, having yeah. a picnic. And she, she has to pretend this is just the driver she hired at the last minute to help remove mm-hmm. this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they are. They're inseparable during this yeah. time, and they're not moving anything yet. It's like <laughs> no. she, maybe she routinely takes drivers for picnics at Harrods. I don't know. But uh, yeah. so. Uh, it's a lot of what they're doing is supposed to be cute, and it doesn't quite work for me. But I am, un, but by this point, I was somewhat falling under the spell of these characters and wanted them to get away with this diamond, even though they ostensibly have still not made up their minds about whether they're going to steal yeah. this diamond or not. Okay, uh, they bond through the whole time. They're revealing secrets to each other. Uh, they finally have a kiss on the roof, and then they take the diamond, which is much smaller than you'd expect, which is always uh-huh. the case with diamonds. Security hands it to them, and it's roughly the size of like what, like a child's novelty eraser, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And it, diamonds are always much smaller than I think they're going to be. And I encounter a lot of diamonds in my life. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, the, the diamond looks like it's the size of, like, a really big almond. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Where I really did want to see, like, an Uncle Scrooge style, like, yes. yeah, you almost a as big huge as diamond. Like diamond. the size of a watermelon. Like, yeah. you want a huge diamond. Uh, and it, when diamonds get to a certain size, they stop being, they, the value starts getting difficult because you can't sell a diamond that huge. But, you know. Uh, this one, I wish it was just a little bit bigger. I wish it was a little bit taller. I wish it was a baller, et cetera. Uh-huh. It look good yep. collar diamond. Uh, I wish. So uh, they take the diamond, uh, and now Paxton has to pull the replica from a display tank that is full of piranhas for some reason. This does not pay <laughs> off are, as a suspense moment are, either. Those are CGI, right? <laughs> I think those are real piranhas. You I think, think they put his... They they put but, star actor Chiwetel Ejiofor's hand in a tank with piranhas? I mean, the thing is, piranhas are not that dangerous... Unless they're hungry and you're backing them into a corner, like you can you can be around piranhas, uh, or maybe <laughs> not. Stuart's giving me a real dubious look. <laughs> Stuart's giving me a real church lady doesn't believe me look. Okay, uh, so he takes the diamond. Uh, they deliberate over whether to switch it. They don't know, and then they do it. And Paxton starts to get jittery. They're home free now. They just have to leave. Uh oh, Mark Gaddis shows up, and uh-huh. he says they got an anonymous tip. We know it's from Paxton's coworker Martin that the driver was using a fake name, and Mark Edis has already called the police. Somebody Uh-oh. needs to wet that dude up. Mm. What do you mean by that? I don't understand. Somebody, somebody needs to smoke that idiot. Oh, I don't understand. What I, wait, I don't get it. <laughs> I think uh, Stuart wants the uh, the guy who snitched to be killed. <laughs> Is that the case? Like a large. <laughs> I mean, he did seem to be a real asshole, but I don't know. Yeah, dude. Oh, like Mark, murdering mean, not, him, not Mark Gaddis. You mean Mark? No, Mark Gaddis is fine. No, the guy. Oh, the... I thought, oh I, the the bad the bad coworker. Okay, yeah. well, him. Yeah, I mean, I if it helps you, he's not a real person. So he only existed for a moment on film, and now he's it completely doesn't exist anymore. So well, even worse for... than even worse than being killed, he leaves nothing behind him on life but that one scene, and no, he will never remain in our memories. So yeah, that yeah. helps. Yeah, he, he exists only to be the villain in their story. He's like an Aaron Burr type figure. Mm. Very sad, actually. I mean, Aaron Burr, except Aaron Burr was a real person who had a life and did things in history. And now the other side of his story has been told in a little play called Hamilton. I don't know if you're familiar with it, uh, but it's by the guy who also wrote the 
hugely successful Bring It On musical. So the uh, that's that's what you've probably heard of him for. Anyway, so he did he did that right. I think he did the music for the Bring did It On he? musical. Hold on, let me take a look. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I know there's talk about him doing the uh, the Fast and Furious m- musical with Vin Diesel. Oh. So, is there talk of that? Yeah, because Vin said he wants to make a musical, and of course, there's going to be the ine- inevitable celebrity couple named Vin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> yeah, of course. But how do you do them? I, well, I guess it's you, the cars are in their minds. I don't know. I don't, yeah, like Lin-Manuel of Miranda. all the major action movie series, that's the one I can most see as a musical. Like to me, I'm like, yes, natural fit. <laughs> I, I would mm-hmm. say I would tweak it slightly. That's an opera. That's not a musical. That's an mm. opera. I don't oh, want any well, spoken yeah. dialogue. I want it all sung. It's either explosions or or loud you singing. Sung through musical without it being so, an opera. Lin Manuel Miranda did co-write the music oh. and lyrics for the Bring It On musical. So no, my memory it? was mostly correct. Okay. Uh, anyway, Mark Gaddis is there. He's like, uh, the police are coming, and Donald's like, uh, uh I mean, uh, Paxton. Donald is the guy. Is Mark Gaddis' character? He's like, oh no, oh no. And Linda, she says, hey. We're stealing this diamond. We're in love. You're going to cover us beca- for us because we're in love and we're going to escape and we're going to stick it to our bosses. And Mark Gaddis so quickly is on their side <laughs> yep. and had, talks. he has a monologue about how he's been liberated by COVID and the lockdown to become this romantic, free-thinking person. And he realized they all have such terrible, bland lives and it's so horrible. And now he's been radicalized and like goes on for a while. And it really could have done with like – just a second take where they just play for comedy as opposed to this like big speech, like have them make their big speech. And the whole time you're thinking he's taking it and he's going to turn them in. And they just like, okay, no, <laughs> yeah. Can, yeah, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. If Mark Ass was like, I need to do more in this movie. Write me a monologue where I that's, get to tw- twirl I, around I, and like throw <laughs> papers and stuff. It goes on for a while, but I did like the, the, you know, the cap to that scene where like to Force of like, uh, we got to get out of here. And Anne Hathaway's character like knows that like she has to let him play it out if like they want to yeah. get out. It's just, she's yeah. like, you know, let him have his moment. It'll be fine. We'll get out. Because she knows also he's just a character on a screen. This yeah. is his moment. And then again, event less than dust in the wind. He's just mm-hmm. yeah. he's just frames of of celluloid that will eventually Petty burn players. up like nitrate sock. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, there there are no small parts except this one. So let's let him have the most of it. There are no mm-hmm. there are only small actors of which Mark Gaddis is not one, as we've mentioned. Hugely yeah, he's tall. very tall. Yeah. 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 Uh, You've just so, slumbered here. Well. Well, Mark Gaddis talked to talked, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the elevator uh, with the merchandise, uh, Paxton so is do, paged uh, to come to... anything happen with the piranhas? Do they, like, no. dump, dump the police in the piranhas? <laughs> no, his hand, his hand goes in the water, and I assume the piranhas will then flush down the toilet, and they're in the sewers of London right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just every now and then coming up through toilets to bite, toilets to bite people on the bum so they can <laughs> look comically the at the camera. Yeah. For a second, you're like an old, yeah, like you're Bugs Bunny or something. You know, yeah. time on the turlets. They're going through the turlets. To, uh, uh-huh. I, now, now those piranhas are just there so that people can have Benny Hill-type gags in their own home. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, they security starts paging Edgar Allan Poe. They're like, we got to get out of here. Oh, no. They're running. It's paging. They see Stephen Merchant. He's like, Linda? And they run in the other direction. And then security reaches them just as they get to the door. Hey, you left your ID. I have it for you. You're going to need it when you get to the airport. Whop, whop. What? Turns out mm-hmm. nobody knows who Edgar Allan Poe is. A stunning indictment of the British educational system that yeah. uh, they won't. I mean, I guess England has its own poems, like so and its own poets. Why I don't know why they need to know who Edgar Allan Poe is, but the movie certainly made it seem like someone would know who that was. So there's the 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 thing that stuck in my head though is that they never he never like takes the stuff he's supposed to pick yes. up and take. So they would just catch him. 
Exactly. Like, he does not do the job, and he fails completely. I mean, I, I guess that. I guess he would just get fired from yeah. his job, right? I mean, yeah, he, you can't you can't throw someone in jail for not doing their job unless their job is not murdering people, and yeah. they and they fail to do that, and they yeah. murder someone, then you throw them in jail. Yeah, but uh, well, you yeah, should they, at least. Yeah, you have to assume he's like, well, he doesn't care about losing his job because they've got this diamonds now, I guess. But, but I they, feel like if, if they just leave all the shit and he doesn't take it to Heathrow, they're more likely to double check it, right? You would think so, especially since they you see them going to the airport on the motorcycle. So I assume they did send the di- the fake diamond in the box. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it really bothered me that he didn't complete the job because it was the most easy way for them to get caught. But look, they're wild now. They're reckless. And it, mm-hmm. to be honest, movie logic, would you rather see the two of them split up and then Paxton... Uh, successfully deliver a bunch of boxes of stuff and unload them in a warehouse, or would you want to see the two stars of our movie recklessly riding on a motorbike through deserted streets of London, <laughs> uh, the, the cold right. night air on their faces, you know, uh-huh. realizing that they're in love again because for this specific moment, they are once again outlaws and criminals. Uh, mm-hmm. When they eventually have to do things like take out the garbage and cook dinner and things like that, their love, of course, will crumble since it's based on moments like these. But just for that moment, isn't the movie, the movie is is worth it for that, you know. Um, and the next morning, uh, Linda is like, lockdown's been extended, but they're together again, and she forgot it's his birthday, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which is, which I get, lockdown, you know, it's hard, you forget what day it is. Uh, and Paxton walks out, and this time recites a happy poem, or at least a love-based poem to the neighborhood, and as Linda beams at him from a window... Uh, and during the credits, Paxton fulfills uh, the teas he gave earlier in the movie and bakes bread. We just watch him baking bread yeah. through the credits. Because, uh, so that's yeah. a little lockdown joke. That's her what people do her during birthday lockdown. present to him is the flour, to allowing he, him to bake bread. The flour he That he bought. bought. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Uh, I mean, as far as birthday gifts go, that's not the worst one I've ever gotten. Well, there have been movies about people getting like hall passes on their birthday so that they can sleep with uh-huh. another person mm-hmm. without guilt. This well, specifically was specifically one per- movie called Hall Pass. Yeah, one movie called Hall Pass. <laughs> this this Wait, is the that was permission a birthday gift. <laughs> I think it was an anniversary gift, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Okay. But this was a uh, and there was that one season of uh, of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm where uh-huh. they and did that, that too. That 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 Steve Merchant's in at least one of those two things, right? Uh, He's in the movie he? Hall Pass, right? Yeah. I don't. I've never seen Dan, it. I don't Dan, know. Dan, check, check the check what? the tapes. <laughs> okay, I'll look. I was too busy watching these check Hall new Pass, wave movies to watch Hall Pass. Yeah, Dan, just <laughs> pull yeah, out yeah. my Criterion Blu-ray of Hall Pass. <laughs> Dan, don't bother with the commentary or the, or the behind-the-scenes featurettes or anything. Just don't. Just look, check the credit <laughs> list in the booklet and double check. Double check the, the Bogdanovich the, the, intro. <laughs> yeah, double check the, the Blu-ray box that you don't have the Criterion Collection Blu-ray of Drillbit Taylor instead. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, was, you know, when you're watching them so much, they get mixed up in the, the cases. It's amazing how, how Criterion stopped. They're like, we're not going to put out Wes Anderson movies anymore, only Owen oh. Wilson movies. It realized that's the, that's who they were following all that time when they were putting those Criterion sets yeah. out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, but she was giving him the permission to bake bread uh, yeah. without her making them. So that's locked down. The story... Of our lives, <laughs> a guy and a and a gal locked down. Um, okay, let, well, let's do final judgments about whether we uh, think it's a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Uh, as I teased before, the movie broke me down over the course of it. Like, I, I don't. I mean, like what one won me over is another way to say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it won me over. Well, I do think it broke me down to a little bit because what, <laughs> because it constructed a barrier to itself with a lot of the dialogue. I think true, true, and the 
I was trying to think of like why it, it didn't always work for me because I like it when a movie gets heightened. Like, why does everything have to be totally realistic? I don't think that, but I think that maybe it's because the way it's directed doesn't necessarily reflect that. Like, it, it is to me a bit of an uneasy mix of like sometimes I'm like, oh, this is great, interesting dialogue, and sometimes I'm like, oh god, movie, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, and also like I find it, as I said early easier to sympathize with a man who like made a mistake earlier in his life for good reasons and now has been punished for it all his life and looking for a way out then like uh the character of linda is more like you know how linda got her groove back by stealing a diamond like you know it's just sort of vague dissatisfaction with life and like i'm not saying that's not something that is worth being concerned about but also like i don't know I had a good job during lockdown, so I don't think I would make a movie about how hard I had it during the lockdown because <laughs> oh, everyone else okay. had a much worse time during lockdown, you know? It's kind of like, it's hard to, I don't know. Her, her, uh, But she's Anne Hathaway. I love Anne Hathaway, so over time I, I loved her too. And yeah, I think I had fun. I kind of liked yeah. it. This is a movie that at first I was like, is this going to be like a life itself type movie that takes itself so seriously and is so much about how we live and relationships and yeah. all that stuff yep. that it becomes unbearably hilarious? Uh, and instead, I think I think part of the issue is that it is so much it, – is it, it seems at first like it's going to be a movie about how we live now and the experience of the pandemic and how it mm-hmm. broke us down. And the heightened dialogue does not play well with that. Yeah. Instead, like, But by the time you get – I would say halfway through, or certainly two thirds of the way through, and it's like, oh no, this is like a glossy, goofy movie that just yeah. happens to be set during lockdown because that gives the premise like that that creates a heist that's hard to do. Uh, then I was like, yeah. okay, movie, I'm I'm with you. So I actually came to like I to, I kind of liked it too. It was it was the beginning of it though was unpleasant going just because. For that reason, I was like, "Ugh, is this a movie that's going to tell me how I'm supposed to feel about this thing I just went through yeah. that yeah. I do not need this movie's help in processing?" But once well, it became clear that that's not what the movie was, I was like, "Oh, okay." I feel like that's the that's the fear of a lot of uh, like various pop culture trying to tackle the pandemic, like fear of that like the inevitable season of some television show that like is set during the pandemic. Like people don't want to yeah. people don't necessarily want to be reminded of it. And also, like you said, like I think it's such an easy trap to to fall into to be like this this thing is meant to to give us a chance to like process life or like yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I mean I think. I would say I, I agree with both of you. The movie kind of won me over. It is it is very overwritten uh, yes. for what is just a goofy movie. Yeah, it, uh, it's not the goofy movie again. <laughs> I have to clarify or that every time I bring movie. that up. Let's yep. make it clear. Yeah, if anyone is watching this thinking it is the goofy movie starring Goofy and his son Goof it, Ma- I don't remember what is Max. Uh, uh-huh. It is not that. This is Lockdown starring yep. Anne Hathaway <laughs> and Judah Lynch. It's also not Lockout, aka Space Jail, starring Guy Pierce and Maggie mm-hmm. Grace. Um, oh, what a movie! The, uh, but uh, I think it was a little bit too long. Like this movie yeah. is pushing two hours, and you could trim out half an Definitely. hour of that. Under no circumstance, trim out Ben Kingsley. He's a treasure. I love him. <laughs> in fact, find a way to put more of him in the movie. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, if it was about 
the guys who worked at the van place and Ben Kings and Ben Kingsley having to like run these these mm-hmm. like borderline criminals and malcontents who, who during a during a and they're the only people who can go out in public because they're essential workers that and like all of society is hinging on these kind of like outcasts and, and losers. That's a that's like it's like yeah. the TV show Taxi, except they're the only ones allowed to leave the house because yep. of a pandemic. Sounds like a pretty like, good would, movie. That sounds great, but. Uh, yeah, it's, I, wanna, I think once once it became clear how little this movie had on its mind and how yeah. unambitious it was going to be, I liked it much more. Yeah. Well, also I want to like I wonder because this movie got you know at best pretty mixed reviews when it came out, uh, which is why we thought it might be interesting to talk about. It, but like it, uh, we were wrong. <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm gonna say like that. <laughs> If we had watched it when it came out, which was, you know, back in the winter, I wonder whether we would have liked it less for some of the reasons you're talking about of, like, it feeling so new, you know, whereas now, like, even this movie, which was made so recently, feels like a time capsule instead of something that, like, we have to be mad at, you know, because it's, like, what we're experiencing like i don't need to see like terrence malick's version of like a lockdown movie like no thank you sir (laughs) but for for us living in the united states right now at this moment it does already feel like a period piece which is really interesting and you're right if we were watching it while if we were watching it in january and still being like i don't know when we're gonna get like i don't know when i'm gonna get vaccinated like when is this gonna end i think it might have been more unbearable Uh yeah i'd be more apt to be like fuck you movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, as it is, I was already like, mm-hmm. masks. Why aren't you people wearing masks? And, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. just putting like a bandana around his face. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, that's not good enough. But And I did yeah. I did post a screenshot on Twitter. But uh, I do like that when he's waiting in line to get stuff from the grocery store and a guy walks by carrying a bunch of toilet paper and Chiwetel J4 goes, Oi, how many asses have you got? <laughs> like, it's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine. Because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday, right here on MaximumFun.org, as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man, sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself, and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Well, let's uh, take a moment. To say thank you to uh, our sponsors, the Flophouse is in uh, in line share supported by listeners by you, but we also have some great 
sponsors. And this week, the Flophouse is brought to you in part by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can turn your idea into a new website. You can blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and much, much more. And Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers, everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, and free and secure hosting. So head to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey, uh, Dan, I had an idea for a website, and I was wondering if Squarespace might be able to help me with it. Lay it on me, brother. Okay. Uh, I wanted to use the power of machine deep learning, like computer deep learning, and its Mm -hmm. ability to cycle through images fast and process those images to find out if Sonic the Hedgehog is running through these movies real fast. <laughs> so I wanted to start a website called SonicUploadQuestionMark.com. Question mark is spelled out. SonicUploadQuestionMark.com. And it's a place where anyone can upload any footage, and a computer algorithm will then process that footage and detect whether or not there is a hint of blue blur or perhaps the glint of a ring being taken uh, mm-hmm. or a sneakers. Just like a little glimpse mm. of sneakers to see if Sonic was there at the time, just running fast than we can see. Now, yeah. I need—I know Squarespace can't help me with making that computer algorithm. That's the big hurdle, the yeah. one that uses deep process learning to to find those images. But can Squarespace help me make a site that people can upload stuff they, to? They uh, certainly could help you create a site, uh, you know, host your idea. Yes, the algorithm, I think, uh, might take a little more programming. I'm a little concerned that if you have it, if one of the markers you're looking for is simply sneakers— you know, there are other, like the Flash you might capture in that situation. I mean, the Flash doesn't wear sneakers, he wears boots. Yeah, you also, you might accidentally <laughs> oh, catch the cast of the movie Sneakers. That's, <laughs> that's a good true. point. I should make sure that it, it says, like, H href equals sneakers, but then not equals Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, the other CD members. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Strathairn? David Strathairn, yeah. David Strathairn. Yeah, Michael Strathairn. Sydney Portier, River Phoenix. Yeah, sure. Stacked. Is that all the sneakers? You got Mary, what a great Mary cast. That's... McConnell. She's, mm-hmm. yeah. And Bill Sneakers. And, and Ben Grimsby. <laughs> yep. Ben <laughs> Grimsby from... That's when Ben Kingsley's a bad guy, is Ben Grimsby. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, okay, we also have another ad. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. Uh, look... We're all dealing. This is a good episode for this one because we're all dealing with our mental health right now. Uh, mental health is something that is at a premium. Uh, we're getting our shots to get rid of these viruses, but there's no mental health shop, and that's shot. There's a mental health shop. It's called a bookstore. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but there, but there's no there's no mental health shot, and so. That's why there's services like BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions. They'll match you with a therapist in under 48 hours, and it's easy to change therapists if needed. Remember, you don't need a traumatic event to benefit from therapy. Maybe you're feeling anxious or depressed or your stress feels like it's too much to manage. It's okay. Whatever reason you have for seeking help is totally okay. Get some tools to cope and make life just a little bit easier. Now, I have no experience with BetterHelp as a service, but I do have a lot of experience with therapy as a process and a service, and I've always found it to be, when you find the right therapist, really vital and necessary at different times in my life. Dan mentioned he's in therapy already this episode earlier. <laughs> yeah, uh, man. Yeah, man. Dear Lord, I, I, I should have been doing it much earlier and taking it much more seriously. Uh, Even if you don't have I what you feel it. like 
Yeah, even if you don't have what you feel like is a is a problem that is, uh, you know, dangerous or worrying or anything like that, just to have the time to be able to deal with yourself and to talk about the things that are important to you without judgment from another person and really have that space to be comfortable with um, expressing yourself and the things that you feel like you can't express in other situations – Therapy is supremely valuable for that, and it's just something that I would recommend. So why not try BetterHelp? Plus, BetterHelp is way more affordable than in-person therapy, but they say can be just as effective. See if it's for you. So uh, the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Flophouse listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Flop. That's Better H-E-L-P, as in Peter, dot com Mm -hmm. slash Flop. Flop. That's H L E L P as in psychologist.com slash flop. Is that helpful? Is that a helpful for the P sound to use that yeah. word? No, you did it great. Thank you. Thanks. Uh so let us move on, shall we? If to we letters. Can. Letters from listeners. Listeners. Like who? Like you. Oh, okay. This first one is from uh I don't know whether it's uh uh, Jillian, like Jillian Anderson, or Gillian, like our pal Gillian Flynn, but it is one of those last name withheld. I apologize. Uh, Dan. Dude, it's, one, it's either Jillian Anderson or Gillian Flynn. I don't Flynn. think, I, well, I don't think, is I mean, it, is it would it be wonderful Jillian if it Welch? was. But, uh, yeah, is it Jillian Welch? <laughs> it's true. Is it Ann Jillian? Is that's it, a, that's yeah, a is it left ter- field choice. <laughs> is it Terry Gillian? <laughs> Could be. I hope not. Uh, straighten up. <laughs> straighten up, Terry Gilliam. Stop being such an old... Crank. Stop being such an old man. Get younger. <laughs> Get younger. Uh-huh. <laughs> if, yeah. What about a show where Terry Gillian <laughs> <laughs> pretends that he's younger and interns at a magazine or a publishing house? <laughs> Amazing. Oh. <laughs> what a niche show that would be. Yeah. The adventures like, of Baron wow. Munch who's in? <laughs> yeah. They're like, wow, for a millennial, you're you sure complain about cancel culture a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well anyway, this uh letter goes as such Dan, next time Elliot makes fun of your regional accent, feel free to belligerently claim that you and Abraham Lincoln would have had the same accent, both of you being sons of Illinois. How can mm, Elliot... Raised in Kentucky, I'll just interrupt. And <laughs> say he like in Lincoln <laughs> when he makes fun of the former president's accent. There's no way he can dispute this claim, considering Lincoln died a dozen years before the, before the phonograph was invented. So, phonograph. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't like watching movies, which makes your podcast perfect, by the way, but I love reading <laughs> yeah. books. Recently, I read Powers of Darkness by Vladimir Asmundson. It is the Icelandic translation of Dracula by Bram Stoker, but the translator decided to rewrite the story. It's faster, more erotic, and Dracula is much scarier slash grosser. I find it a better version than the original. It made me think, what movie would be better if it went through a fanfic transformation? And that's from Gillian Gillian last name withheld. Thank you, Jillian. Unfortunately, a lot of our major movie franchises do seem to be going through fan fiction transformations, which are not wow. fully helpful for them. Uh, <laughs> but I see what you're saying. I see what you're yeah. saying. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the fans call the shots uh, philosophy. But guys, what do you think? What's something that could could have used a little bit of a uh, fan fiction filter? Well, FFF, not as they 50 say. Shades of Grey, because they already made Twilight. Mm-hmm. I would say... Uh, there in the uh, the in the MCU the Marvel movies there is a there was a popular fan shipping 
between Captain America and Bucky. And I think I think the later Captain America movies would have benefited from a romance between those two hunks. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think in general, any of these uh, these <laughs> these fan properties, yeah, let's have a. Uh... You just have more of the characters just having sex with each other a lot. Certainly, I mean, the Marvel movies could do with some more kissing, right? <laughs> yeah, like no some kissing sort in those of movies. <laughs> sexuality in this like, universe. Thanos doesn't even kiss his fucking Infinity Gems or whatever. Man, he loves those things. <laughs> 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 if I had that, if I had that cool glove, I'd be kissing that shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, be hard not to. Be very hard not to. Sure. Uh I just had a couple of jokes. I didn't really have any good answer to this. Did anyone? Tell us those jokes. <laughs> no, I, I burned them already. <laughs> oh, okay. All hey, right. guys, I watched... Uh, this is this is unrelated. Wait, is, so. this, wait, is, this, is this Hey Guys real, or is this a Hey Guys like an intro to a stand-up bit? <laughs> this is, hey, guys, hey guys. Uh, some weird stuff happened the other day. I was watching this, uh, this movie, and... I just had a question that I wanted to ask you. I'm going to write into the mailbag. Can I, can I, I have yeah, another, I have a sure. story I want to, to go with the, uh, so the thing about, uh, on the subject of like fan fiction and stuff, I just recently, uh, watched Ready Player One while I was doing my workouts this week. It is way too long. Do not recommend. But, uh, and it, it's chucked, it's, you know, it's filled to the brim with movie references. Mm-hmm. But weirdly enough, it was not the two most, it didn't, it, it didn't rank in the top two most surprising movie references I saw in pop culture recently. Number two, of course, being I wasn't expecting the first episode of Loki to feature a Scream reference, which mm. is nuts. And I certainly number one, of course, is In the Heights. Wasn't expecting a Usual Suspects reference at the end, but you know what? Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and all, or also the the uh, the Hamilton hold music in one scene when Hamilton was written after In the Heights. What's going on? <laughs> I mean, I feel like the usual suspects uh, uh, nod is even weirder because the whole time you're like, wait, did Usnavi, is he like tricking these kids? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is tricking those kids, kind of, but well, he's tricking the viewer, but yeah. Dan, spoiler alert, there's a trick in, no, in the I Heights. No, I saw the In the Heights. It's, yeah, I, I like okay. it. It's good. Oh, wow. That's Hot a, take. what, four-star review from Dan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, around there, I'd say, yeah. Okay. Um, hey. I would say... I. I'd say, wait, before Dan gets into his story that he was going to tell before, if he's still going to tell it, I would say, I like fan fiction as a thing from fans. Uh, I think, I guess what I don't like is, I like it, what I like about fan fiction is when someone with passion for a property decides, I'm going to take it and I'm going to make it my own and put my spin on it. I don't mm-hmm. like the version of it, which is the fan crowdsourced version, where mm-hmm. there's like a big campaign to make something as kind of same-same as it as it yeah. once was without a lot of changes. So, so you, in many you like it when they like do a new twist on a character, like in Ready Player One when the Iron Giant's running around tur- transforming its arm into like a laser blaster and starts mm-hmm. shooting Mechagodzilla. So I mean, that's not a new twist on the character. He does that at the end of Iron Giant. <laughs> I mean, it's part of the, the, the choice the character makes is to stop shooting things with a laser. That's one of the things that's so beautiful about the movie. Uh, but more the way that, in my mind, something like The Last Jedi was, in a way, a fan fiction Star Wars thing where it was I'm going to take Star Wars and I'm going to do the Ryan Johnson version of it and yeah. the la- and the Rise of Skywalker is the opposite version where it's like vote on which character you want to see die and then come back mm-hmm. again okay everybody the tally is in you know yeah. it's how you got to get the McDonald's burger of of franchise movies but uh-huh. uh, otherwise but Babu Frick and that 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 monkey monkey I don't know how they snuck in. I don't know how that that welding chimp and Babu Frick snuck in to that to that movie but they made it they made it worthwhile I guess. Uh, so I'm gonna say, you know what? The letter mentioned Dracula. It's hard, I think the Universal Monsters are exactly it. That's the kind of thing that that should have some sort of like strange 
individual take on it. You know, that's what I want to see. Bring yeah. the weirdness back to the Universal well, Monsters. You know what? Keep, hey, keep the Universal <clears throat> Monsters weird, everybody. Of all these uh-huh. Universal reboots, you know, largely unsuccessful, like, I think Invisible Man is the most, one, like, that's the transformative one. That's the one who's like, yes. okay, yeah. let's use this as an inspiration, you know, like, let's take the themes, let's, you know, do it perhaps in a better way, you know. Uh-huh. I, that feels I, like timely exactly. and also sadly timely. I'm realizing... I'm realizing now that I started, as a thought experiment, I started coming up with this the other night where I was like, what if they rebooted Forrest Gump for my generation? What would happen in it? And it, the first thing was, young is that Nirvana is staying over at young Forrest Gump's house, uh, as and young Forrest Gump has like thick braces and mumbles, and Kurt Cobain's like, I like that, that's how I'm going to sing from now on. So that's, and I was like... Okay, obviously he would accidentally hold the door open for the Columbine shooters when he's a teenager, and like oh he's gonna have he's gonna he's gonna have a startup at some point. Like I was just trying to think of the other things he could do, you know. Yeah, he gives Zuckerberg the idea for Facebook. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's like uh, he like he's like looking at a book and be like, oh, this would be easier to read if it was made out of faces. And Mark Zuckerberg's like, huh? Like that kind of garbage. Yeah, I, I like this bit. Uh, for its own merits and also because it's kind of like the Flophouse version of the Mabim Bam thing where they're <laughs> writing new lyrics to We Didn't Start the Fire. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's he, he gets a job as a stock trader and hits the wrong button and there's the 2008 crash and that kind of... Like, Forrest Gump's just yeah. doing all this uh-huh. stuff, you know? You know that he, like, he needs, to, he needs to use the bathroom at the Capitol building so he walks through a door he's not supposed to and suddenly it's January 6th and insurrectionists are, are flooding in. And I guess what I'm saying is Forrest Gump only makes bad things happen yeah. in this version. Yeah. With, the, with the exception yeah, of helping Nirvana. he's a Randall Nirvana. Flag type figure. Yeah, he's, yeah. More, he's more of a Randall Flag chaos strewer. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, so the thing I just randomly decided to ask you about. So uh-huh. I... I uh, I saw on Twitter Matt Zoller's sites was gonna be hosting a screening of uh, Mad Max Fury Road, uh, preceded mm-hmm. by the Chuck Jones short "What's Opera Doc." Because oh, I saw that he was selling books out of his garage over and over again. <laughs> I get it, Matt Zoller sites. I'll buy a book from you. <laughs> what? I don't even know what you're referencing. Oh, he promotes he promotes his uh, his he promotes his online store a lot on his Twitter. Oh, okay. Well, uh, so, you know, it was at the IFC Center, uh, went there. Oh, I should tell, I want to tell the audience, like, I already texted you guys about this, but I want to tell the audience that, like, the IFC Center, they had, like, this thing, like, thanking everyone for -hmm. coming back to the movies, and, uh, and it would be like, you know, Spike Lee would come up and be like, thanks for coming back, you know, nothing like seeing a movie in the theater, and Miranda July would say the same thing. Glad you chose to do the right thing. I wish I was there instead of in your, in my bathroom, which is like a thing she said, and, uh. But then, like, the only people who mentioned their project was, like, David Fincher and Amanda Seyfried and uh, Gary Oldman came up and were like, from the creative team behind Mank, thanks for coming back to the movies. I'm like, oh, man, if Ellie was here, this would really yank his Mank crank. Yeah, it's a real Mank thing. But no, I saw the screening, and it was great, obviously. Still both wonderful films. So is this a section where we do hot takes? What's going on? No, I was like, is there, is Mad Max Fury Road, as to metalheads, is it the most metal movie, or is there a more metal movie, do you think? I mean, heavy metal, it's right in the title. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Yeah, true, but it's, it's, I mean, but heavy metal has this weird strain of, like, uh, National Lampoon-style hippie humor running through it. Uh, I think, it's hard for me to think off the top of my head of another, I mean, like, 
uh, I guess you would call oh. the Tetsuo movie is more punk than metal, right? Yeah, or like um, Valhalla Rising, I think is is basically a, a black metal, metal music video. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think I think those two are pretty. I mean, the fact that that Mad Max Fury Road literally has a guy just just shredding away on a guitar mm-hmm. on a huge truck in, t- in in front of a wall of amps, like, and there's fire coming out of the guitar. That's pretty. Yeah, uh-huh, but yeah. but Valhalla Rising is pretty metal too. I mean, yeah. those are both movies that also like you don't you kind of don't need any dialogue if you just if you just play it with a score, it's still great. Yeah, and and you know what's going on because they're made by, uh, well, certainly Mad Max is made by a visual genius of a director. Yeah, uh, we do have one final letter. It's from Mike, last name withheld. Uh, after referencing it in your Jackie Chan episode, I looked up the letterbox reviews for the Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure. <laughs> I yep, think sure. you'll be yep. happy to know that most of the reviews for the film reference the Flophouse in some way or another as the reason <laughs> for watching it. Well, Which leads oh, me <laughs> when Elliot sets his children on his knee. <laughs> Which leads me to my this question. This is my legacy. And they're like, I thought your legacy was one panel about Sauron and Spider-Man. No, no, no. <laughs> this is my legacy that I shared this with the world. Uh, which leads me to my question. In your illustrious careers, do you think there are other films that you've brought into the cultural zeitgeist because of the podcast other than The Great Bikini Offered Adventure, of course? Well, I mean, of course, you know... Uh, I, why, why, are, why are you looking at me, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a, there's a, a highly unofficial trilogy in that it only exists as a trilogy in your mind well, that are now associated. You, yeah, I mean, if you go to the Wikipedia pages for Castle Freak, Head of the Family, or The Invisible Maniac, they all have links to the other movies. Uh, or if you look any of them up on Amazon, they also say, customers frequently purchase these with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, because I recommend those movies many times on the podcast. If you're a new listener, uh, yeah, watch them. They're great. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, I get a lot of people tweeting at me that uh, they watch the Taken Film 1, 2, 3 mm-hmm. because I recommended it. And I got a tw- someone at, on Twitter just recently, they watched The Gunfighter because I recommended it a while ago. So, you know, as long as we're, as long as we're bringing great movies like Castle Freak, The Gunfighter, and The mm-hmm. Great Bikini Off-Road Adventure to the discerning views of those who might otherwise miss them, uh, uh-huh. I guess we're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. And I just want to highlight, um, folks who have come to um, uh, the live show where I've done, like, there's one presentation I've done that, that uh, references this, so those folks will know this already, but uh, news to most, if you go to the Bikini Car Wash Company imdb page mm-hmm. under the trivia some soul has written daily show writer and podcast host dan mccoy lists this motion picture among one of his favorite movies <laughs> now, i don't know if it's that's great. entirely accurate but uh <laughs> i guess I mean, who, who would legacy. know better than you dan if you don't know if it's accurate i'm gonna have to take it at face value <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my legacy to the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. I th- uh, I think Dan, there's worse legacies. Uh, are, wait, are there? Hold on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so this is the final part of the show where we recommend movies, movies that I don't know. We liked Lockdown. Okay, you can watch these ones too. Why not? Mm-hmm. Um, I <laughs> sorry, I was pulling up uh, the thing I want to recommend is a, a film called The Neutral Ground, which um, mm-hmm. was actually made by someone who works at The Daily Show. C.J. Hunt is one of the field producers, the people who are in charge of the the you know the remote pieces on the show. 
and a while back he decided he wanted to do a documentary inspired by the amount of sort of controversy there was over uh, the removal of Confederate landmarks in uh, in Louis in New Orleans and uh, how long it took after the it went through that they should be removed for any action to actually be taken. And then, you know, as anyone who has been in America or witnessed America over the time, like he kind of got caught up in a larger story about how, you know, uh, after periods of maybe greater racial pro- progress, we find ourselves in periods of uh, racial regress where uh, white supremacy is, uh, you know, uh, bafflingly and sadly on the rise. And, um, and you know, like perhaps as a <clears throat> reaction to, uh, or almost certainly as a reaction to the fact that, you know, people are getting human dignity uh, for the fir- first time maybe and others do not care for it. But there's that and there's also just the story of how the Confederacy sort of lied after the uh the war like told its you know uh descendants a, a a great lie the the wives of the uh confederate soldiers who died sort of uh taking it upon themselves to rewrite the history of uh the confederacy and of slavery in a way that you know you he goes and he talks to these people and they have this horrible naive ignorance about the world that is basically a brainwashing that has been sold them. And so it's a very interesting story. Um, and uh, I text Sounds like CJ. a laugh riot. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, it actually is, because he's quite funny, and there's a lot of it that, you know, has the vibe, sort of old-style Daily Show field stuff, but also mm-hmm. a lot more earnest because cj himself he's half black half filipino and his father is sort of uh very attuned to like and very enraged about the erasure of uh america's racial history and they have you know conversations about uh about that um so and and it feels very honest as well as being funny but um i texted him i asked him where it could be seen since it's mostly still on festivals right now, but uh, it will debut nationwide for free on PBS on July 5th. And if you're in L.A., there's limited screenings at Lemile Glendale. Is that how it's pronounced? Lemily? Uh, Lemily Glendale. Glendale, July 2nd through 8th. And um, if you want to look it up, there's NeutralGroundFilm.com and at It's Not Neutral on social media i just wanted to give it like an extra plug because it's not something that i think we get to see a lot yeah. otherwise mm-hmm. i think that's great uh speaking of documentaries i wanted to recommend a documentary too guys wow check new wave has documentaries well uh, i'm take i took a brief break from check new wave movies i'm currently in the middle of watching uh all my countrymen, all my good countrymen. Anyway, but that's nothing we are recommending tonight. Uh, there are other Czech New Wave movies that I will recommend in the future, but I decided to take a break from those and go to an actual movie theater and see an actual movie. The first time I've seen one since I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood over a year ago. Uh, anyway, 
this was the movie that I was looking forward to the most this year, and it did not disappoint me. That's right, the Sparks Brothers. Uh, some listeners may know that the Sparks is one of the, the Sparks. Well, forget mm-hmm. it. Take away my fan card. <laughs> yeah, some people yeah. may know that. Yeah, yeah, name five of their songs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could name a lot more than that. But, yeah. Uh, you want some off their most recent album or the oldest one? Anyway, uh, so the... Some people, listeners may know that Sparks is one of my two favorite bands. What's the other favorite band? You'll just have to guess. Uh, but it's not a band that sounds like Sparks. But uh, they uh, had this documentary made about them by Edgar Wright. They cooperated with it. There was a lot of information about them that I was not familiar with and a lot of old footage of them that was really great to see. Uh, and even if you're not familiar with the band, which is possible you're not, because even though, as the movie talks about, they have 25 albums from about 50 years of recording but they are still not a band that's particularly well-known. And I, my wife's parents were in town when I went to go see this, and they were like, oh, is that a real band? I thought it was a movie about a fake band, which seems to be what a lot of people think. No, it's a real, it's a real band. Hmm. Uh, it does a really good job of telling their story and kind of explaining why they're interesting. This band based around two brothers who have essentially been operating as a sort of uh, pop music art collective for the past uh, 50 years. Uh, and it was really, really good. I liked it a lot. Uh, and this will not probably attract other people to it, but at the very end, there's some footage from a Spark show I went to in November of 2019 here in LA, and it was very exciting. It was a it was a nice reminder of of good memories. And the person yeah. I went to go see the movie with, uh, former Flophouse guest uh, Brendan Hay, I also went to that concert with him. So you can go see this movie, and when that part comes up at the end, <laughs> imagine me and Brendan watching the movie and remembering this great concert that we went yeah. to. Yeah, Inception. Oh wow! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wheels within wheels. Yeah. So I, that's that's the Sparks Brothers in theaters now. Yeah, I just wanted to do a test. You know, I only knew a couple Sparks songs, but I went to see it because it looked interesting and I had a great time. And I took some birthday money to buy the soundtrack. So now I'll listen to Sparks in my you own mean home. You didn't just you didn't just go ahead and buy all twenty five albums. <laughs> yeah, it seemed it seemed daunting from the, the scope of that documentary. How much stuff is out there? So I was like, I'll just take the ones they played for me. Just go, just go back and do a full discography. That's what I did with Enslaved about a year ago, mm. and just go to the beginning and work your way up. Uh, so I am not going to recommend a documentary. I'm going to recommend a heist movie, which is thematically appropriate because we reviewed a heist movie, everybody. So I get extra points. I'm going to recommend the, uh, the major motion picture debut of the best man of the movies. That's right. Director Michael Mann, uh, (laughs) his, his, uh, debut thief starring James Caan, uh, it's great. Uh, I've only recently got around to watching it and watching it. I'm like, Oh yeah, he, this influenced a ton of movies. Uh, it's got a wonderful score. It's on HBO max. Uh, it's beautiful. It's rainy. It's a very Chicago movie. It's probably the best movie featuring Jim Belushi. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, check it out. James Conn wears the hell out of some pants in it. Thumbs up. Thief. <laughs> Nice. I mean, Thief is a great movie. I, 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 James Conn's pants, I don't know if they're like the... the Man, you got to watch that movie again. <laughs> yeah, I yeah guess. you know how they say, you got to watch it once for the plot, twice for the pants. Yeah. There's a scene There's a scene in that movie where he's on a date and he shows the woman he's on a date with like a, pic, a collage he made of kind of like mm-hmm. his, his vision of his life, and it is frightening and it's the one yes. it's the moment in the movie where you're like lady you got to get away from this guy right now yes. i know he's the hero of the movie but still yeah i was uh, when during that scene i'm like 
what am I supposed to be feeling now? <laughs> yes, Scared yeah. for her? Confused? It was great. Yeah, what a, it what is a, a great movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the end of this episode. But uh, before we sign off, I want to say an extra special thanks to our uh, producer, Jordan Cowling, who will be leaving us after this episode. Uh, not because we want her to, but because she's going on to bigger and better things. Um, so thank you so much for... Uh, taking a lot of burden off my shoulders and doing it way better than I ever did in uh, doing the production stuff. Uh, you'll and, be and, gen- a lot. and generally and, being more pleasant to deal with than Dan. Yeah, no, no. And <laughs> not <laughs> responding to texts with things Certainly that more could professional. be hostile. It's hard to tell. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, she, uh, I mean, Jordan, you're Jordan. You're listening to this, but you're, uh, you became a real part of the Flophouse family and we're going to miss you. Yeah, we'll miss you a lot. Thank you so much. We, we're, luck, we're lucky that we got the time we had with you uh, working with us, and I just wish it could have been longer. But good luck and best wishes from us, the floppers. And I'm signing this on a photo of, okay. uh, of the three yeah. of us. Johnny Cage yeah. style, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> well uh, go to Max. But it's Fun. not a, gloss, it's not a oh, glossy God. photo. It's a Polaroid. So there's not a lot of room to write on it. So I really covered yeah. up most of the picture. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a shame. Uh, hey, if you like podcasts, uh, good news. We're part of the whole network of them. Go over to oh, MaximumFun.org. Wow. <laughs> good news. You've been listening shows. to one. Boom. You got gotcha. <laughs> you got flopped. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Twist ending. This was a podcast the whole time. Deal with it. If you liked this episode, tell your friends. Uh, get the word out. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin. That's right, me, and goodbye. Man, I would love the twist of a movie. The, basically, the movie would just be like, hey, fuck you, I twisted you, I gotcha. <laughs> Where the movie says that? Yeah, like, like, like immediately as soon as the twist happens, just like, like freeze frame and like zoom in on the characters' faces. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.